Because I remember the sports takes on Devin Funches. Oh, the takes, 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 takes. So many takes, so many takes. Came to fruition week four. Headlined by, of course, Devin Funches. Two touchdowns, the number two scoring wide receiver in fantasy football in week four. Devin Funchess, the one receiver we said you cannot leave your draft without. The moment it flips over into those double-digit rounds, get Devin Funchess! (laughs) I was overwhelmed by a unique phenomenon this weekend. For the first time in my life, too many positive events were happening on the football field, and I couldn't keep up with the told you so's. I was typing so fast into YouTube and onto Twitter, finding old tweets and podcast clips, just tweeting and tweeting. tweeting. There was a 15-minute period on Sunday when Dalvin Cook is out for the year and Jarek McKinnon has been installed as the starter, which lasted two carries. I understand that, but that's how it started. And then touchdown Devin Funchess, league winner Bilal Powell, vastly exceeding 100 yards. Austin Safarian Jenkins, the leading receiver for the New York Jets. Just on and on and on. And this was all happening at once. And Alvin Kamara crushing Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) It's just so perfect. It was the most perfect 15-minute window of football I've ever experienced in my history making sports takes. Take me home, baby! And that's what Devin Funches did. He took me home. And it just continued. The 4 o'clock game started. Thomas Rawls was inactive. (laughs) Despite no CJ Pro sites, it didn't matter. Thomas Rawls wasn't active which was just spectacular because I have never received as many negative comments on YouTube as I did when I called Thomas Rawls overrated into the face of a headwind of positivity around Thomas Rawls. I was the one standing up saying, temper the enthusiasm. He's not good at football. This was after he went well over 100 yards in a touchdown. And I said, slow down. And then on Sunday, he was inactive and they started undrafted free agent Chris Carson in his place. And I just sat back and smiled. What a weekend. But of course, no one on Twitter cared to remind me of the bothered to bring up the avalanche of correct sports opinions and predictions that came true last weekend. No, the focus was Deshaun Watson. The buzzards only care when you're trending wrong. When you're trending right, it's crickets. And I've since realized that. That's why the negative sentiments on social media do not bother me a bit. Because I now know when Funches scores touchdowns, the positive feedback is just a fraction of the negative feedback that's generated when Deshaun Watson scores touchdowns. Which leads me to one natural conclusion that people are assholes. They are sadists who are soaked in schadenfreude, lurking around the internet, waiting to criticize even the fantasy football analyst who appears to be trending wrong on one particular player. Did not bother me as I wrapped myself in an American flag of correct sports opinions, walked up on stage, strode to the microphone, raised my arms in the air, and screamed, It's a Devin Funches dance party! Everybody, get your hands up! 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 Ever
fun with bunches. Bunches of punches. Bunches and bunches of fun, fun punches. Of course, we're having a Devin Punches dance party. He was the number two scoring wide receiver last week. This is what bliss feels like. you play Devin Funches on No Halftime, go to NoHalftime.com or go to your app store, search No Halftime, download the app, and you can accept existing challenges that have been posted by other users, or you yourself can post challenges to the public that others can accept, or you can challenge friends to individual one-on-one challenges. So for example, you can challenge friends to one-on-one propositions. My favorite proposition of all, the Devin Funches will outscore Kelvin Benjamin in fantasy football. Because again, this week, as has always been the case, Kelvin Benjamin continues to be more expensive than Devin Funches on DraftKings. And that is a criminal mispricement. On our rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. Our full season redraft rankings, as well as our weekly rankings, you're going to see Devin Funches slotted in ahead of Kelvin Benjamin because of course he is. Meanwhile, ESPN writers are comparing Kelvin Benjamin to Kelvin Johnson. (laughs) What? Don't even look at the advanced metrics. Just look at the fantasy points per game. Kelvin Benjamin, 8.6 fantasy points per game, 54th in the league. Devin Funches, 12.7 fantasy points per game, 25th in the league. Devin Funches is far superior, yet Kelvin Benjamin more expensive on DraftKings. That's a market inefficiency you can take advantage, and you can take advantage of those kinds of inefficiencies on no halftime. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD when you sign up, and you get an instant 50% bonus of up to $50. Again, just use the promo code UNDERWORLD. I want to share this celebration with someone. Why not my good friend, Colm Kelly? He is the host of the Overtime Ireland podcast and the czar of podcasting now over at Rotoviz Radio. Follow him at Overtime Ireland on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio program. Colm Kelly. Colm Kelly? <laughs> Maybe the real Kelly. You, you might. Yeah. Hey, hey. I'm the host of this show. I've not finished the introduction yet, Colm. Colm is the executive producer of Roto Viz of Roto Viz Radio. So he's the new Matthew Friedman over at <laughs> Roto Viz. He's had a wildly successful podcast, the Overtime Ireland podcast. Check out his website, overtimeireland.com. It's about time we had Colm Kelly on the show. Colm Kelly, talk to me. What's happening, Matt Kelly? The Kellys. The meeting of the Kellys. By the way, um, there is only one Matt Freeman. I'm not trying to say I'm uh, a new Matt Freeman. We're uh, working, working there uh, as a as a team. Of course, of course, yes. Always gracious, Colm Kelly. the The accent makes you sound more gracious. So you saying it in an Irish accent makes you sound even more gracious. You know, I'm Irish, or I have Irish descendants. You know, the Kelly is an Irish name, and and it used to be O'Kelly. So when they came to Ellis Island. 
My ancestors in the 1850s changed it from O. Kelly to just Kelly. And, just so you know, changed the last name spelling from just K-E-L-L-Y to E-Y. They inserted the E as a way to quote-unquote Americanize the name. Is that that is the right reason? That's the backstory and the family lineage on Matt Kelly's last name. We need to uh, we need to dive into our uh, family trees to see if they uh, match up somewhere four hundred years down uh, four hundred years ago. <laughs> That's right. So at once upon a time, there were old timey Matt Kellys running around Ireland with uh, with no fantasy football to be talked about. Whatever sports they played, fantasy rocks and sticks. It's probably easier to predict that than to, to predict the NFL, maybe. What was the first sport in Ireland? Was it golf? No, it's uh, Ireland has its own traditional sports. Uh, and I know uh, a lot of people on Twitter and in the fantasy football community have uh, actually caught glimpses of it on Twitter recently. Uh, one of them is called hurling. It's a game with a stick and a small ball. It is the, the fastest. Hurling, of course. Yes. As opposed to throwing up. Yes. And uh, it's the fastest uh, field sport in the world. The other game is called uh, Gaelic football which is uh, pretty much um, they go around and uh, beat each other up with a, a football. You can catch it, you can kick it. And then, uh, of course, there's rugby. So there's a, a lot of sports, uh, American football, catching on all the time. And uh, hopefully it continues to uh, grow bigger and bigger here. I saw that. That was your influence with the Fantasyland <laughs> episode. Yeah. All about the American Football League starting in Ireland. Grassroots but, effort. I'm loving yeah. this. We have numerous... Irish listeners to the Roto Underworld radio show, there is a nice little Irish contingency in our audience, so cap tip to them. So there is a full-fledged league that has been going on for around 30 years now, and I think we're up to maybe 30, 31 teams. There's three tiers in the division, so you can get promoted, you can get relegated, and there's quite a number of teams. So pretty much every Sunday, a group of Crazy people from here go and play uh, full padded uh, football for absolutely nothing other than the love of the game. What's the name of that league? Uh, it's called the IAFA. It's the Irish American Football Association. What is the name of your team? I, I guess I guess I better give a shout out. Uh, I I didn't play this past season. Uh, obviously, uh, other commitments going on, but uh, the Donegal Derry Vipers. You didn't have an injured groin. I, I had a. I got a, no. I got a concussion last year, which. Uh, kind of <laughs> made me not as uh, comfortable playing this year. Has anyone been tackled by the penis a la Vernon Davis? Uh, not when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the shower? Matt stays in the shower. What? I don't want to talk about Tevin Coleman today. So I lost my train of thought. So let's talk about Julio Jones. And speaking of Tevin Coleman, his teammate Julio Jones has been a disappointment. Julio Jones was my first pick in the FFPC High Stakes League. We had Chris Raybon on this show. We talked about Julio Jones' ceiling, where if things break right with game script and the target funnel, because Julio Jones is by far and away the most explosive and talented player in that passing game, that Julio Jones could once again eclipse 1,800 yards, but also double-digit touchdowns. That was in his range of outcomes. You could argue Julio Jones had the highest ceiling of any player in fantasy football coming into this season, and he's just not firing. And he's starting to look to me like a lesser Calvin Johnson. And I'm predicting that Julio Jones also, like Calvin Johnson, has a similar early retirement schedule on the horizon. Do you agree? I don't. I don't agree with the retirement uh, coming up in the near future. I think Calvin Johnson is a. 
It's over for Julio Jones. It's over. Uh, no, is it, Calvin was a specific case who, you know, I, I just think that uh, more than we've heard since he retired that he just didn't really enjoy playing football all that much. He was a superstar and a, you know, a fantasy stud while he was playing, but he just uh, didn't have that love for the game. He also played for a team. You think Julio Jones looks like he's having a good time? He never looks like he's having a good time. When was the last time the camera panned to Julio Jones? He had a big smile on his face. He always looks like he's in pain on the football field. But it is, it's, a, it's a tough game to play. People are going to be, you know, I mentioned uh, playing American football. It's a tough game. You don't go around with a smile all that often. Maybe when the game's over, you can crack a smile. But Julio Jones just seems to me like a guy who's always uh, 100% serious at all times and kind of tries to be focused on it. Uh, Calvin, uh, th- those knee injuries were uh, extremely chronic. I know we're probably going to hint here now and touch on Julio's injuries, um, you know, starting with the hip injury that he has at the moment. But Julio is a player for me that I think he won't obviously hit the, the ceiling that you predicted in the, the offseason. And I kind of was I was on board with you on that. The double-digit touchdowns is obviously out the window with uh, four games with no touchdowns. But I still think that as the season goes on here, I think he, he, he will finish as a wide receiver one. I know you're thinking that he was going to finish as the wide receiver one overall, but right. I, I do think it's going to continue on and he's going to finish. I'll, I'll still, at this point in time, just adding up here, he's... Uh, just at under 300 yards at the moment, you know, I would be absolutely stunned if he doesn't finish with at least a thousand and he's probably still going to touch on uh, 1200 yards this season. Do you think he, he's just like this happens or he's just going to derail it? He's just going to feel so bad that he's going to decide at the, you know, at the end of the season or next season that that's it. I've had enough and uh, to hell with this. Yes, I think he is. When you look at Calvin Johnson's career arc, it's shockingly similar to Julio Jones and they were very similar players explosive ex-receivers on the outside whose bodies betrayed them because the human body is not meant to play above the defense on an every down basis and that's how Calvin Johnson wanted to play and his body didn't cooperate that's how Julio Jones wants to play and his body is not cooperating when you look back at Julio Jones career and you look at Calvin Johnson's career side by side do a contrived dichotomy, which we're going to do more of later on in the show. (laughs) Julio Jones peaked in 2015 with an 1,800-yard season. Calvin Johnson peaked in 2012 with a 1,900-yard season. So Julio Jones has been lagging Calvin Johnson by three years. So if we go back three years on Calvin Johnson's profile, 2014, he played 13 games, 71 receptions, 1,077 yards, and eight touchdowns. Calvin Johnson stopped being a high-end WR1 at age 28, which is the precise age of Julio Jones. Yep. So it's that's it's done. It's over. It's over. It's over. I'm calling it now. It's over. Julio Jones as an elite NFL. Julio Jones as an elite fantasy asset is over. He's going to have some boom weeks, of course. But I think when we look back at the end of the season, we are going to see less than 100 receptions, less than 1,400 yards, less than 10 touchdowns. A stud wide receiver needs to hit one of those thresholds. In fantasy football, either you're Wes Welker catching 100 footballs or you're Des Bryant catching 14 touchdowns or you're Julio Jones in a previous incarnation ringing up 1,800 receiving yards. But I doubt he does any of those three. And because of that, I'm discouraged. I was hoping that this was the year for Julio Jones, that this would be the year to end all years where he would have 1,800 yards 
and double-digit touchdowns, have a career season, because the situation lined up perfectly. We knew that the offense would not be as efficient, and that would actually benefit Julio Jones because they would be in more passing situations, would have to throw more in the red zone, and that Julio Jones could shatter his previous career high in fantasy points, and that is just not going to happen. There are certain things that we can learn and know for certain after just four weeks. That's one of them. That Julio Jones is not going to hit the ceiling we laid out for him, and he never will. And it's over. And if you want to trade him, you can. To someone who views Julio Jones as Julio Jones of 2015 and wants that brand equity, and you want to trade him to someone who's chasing that brand equity, do it. I, I still think I just go now over under 1,200 yards for the season for Julio Jones. The fact that we've been having this conversation is an indictment. Yeah, well, I think I, I still think that he's going to head over the 1,200 yards. So if you were looking to trade him, I'd be looking to take him if I was in a, a league with with you on that. But right, I would just ask for one of your premium running backs. That's what you ask for in return. So I would give you a running back of mine, yeah. Duke Johnson, and a Julio Jones. And expect a running back of my choosing coming back in return. That's what I would do. Ty Montgomery, for example, if he practices at all, I'm going to capitalize. If he's practicing at all this week, I'm just going to go all in on Ty Montgomery and trade for him in any league that I don't already own him. And if it means giving up Julio Jones to get Ty Montgomery, I'm fine with it. However, if Ty Montgomery is out this week, where are we with Aaron Jones? Where would you have him ranked in the absence of Ty Montgomery? I can uh, just looking at it with uh, Ty Montgomery. Ty, I would have uh, in around. Uh, I'm at number fourteen at the moment. So if he does play, and that there's sprinkling in the fact that obviously he's not going to be 100. percent I, as a Packers fan, I don't expect Montgomery to play this week. Coming off uh, multiple broken ribs is what has been uh, discussed, and. I have uh, Aaron Jones ranked uh, then to go off that if I was taking him out of my rankings I'm in around 22 to 30 range uh, it'd be an RB2 with upside I'm looking in that range you know I have players like Marshawn Lynch, Duke Johnson, Frank Gore, LeGarrette Blount, Lizzie Coel going on down through them Wayne Gallman, Jonathan Stewart so you're in a real mismatch there and I just think if you're going with uh, you know getting into the Packers offense and what I expect uh, him to do there's obviously going to be a drop-off in Ty Montgomery, but uh, I think Aaron Jones still can go in there and uh, produce a nice, solid game. And I think that... Top 10 numbers. Top 10 numbers is what you can expect from Aaron Jones in a workhorse role for the Green Bay Packers, according to Rob Domofsky, at yeah. Rob Domofsky on Twitter. This was just reported. Packers RB Ty Montgomery has multiple broken ribs, as you said, and he's not going to play. Players with multiple broken ribs rarely play, particularly at the running back position where you're constantly getting tackled around the rib cage. It's just not going to happen, even in a flak jacket. Once in a while, you see a quarterback play with broken ribs because they can wear the flak jacket and they're not taking a lot of big hits throughout the game. Running back is a different story. On average, an NFL player that sustains broken ribs misses two games. So if I'm guessing and we're setting an over-under, it's two games. That means you have to get Aaron Jones. These two games in the fantasy season are critical. Week five, week six. Week five, week six. Wait, did the Packers have a bye next week? Um, yes. Come on, Colm. <laughs> I'm looking at too much fantasy football stuff to be looking two weeks ahead. Let's go. Let's go. You're Doug Moore all of a sudden. Let's go. Attention to detail. <laughs>
is week eight. We need to give you the loser game show sound. You were very slow. I can't believe it took you so long. I mean, there was so much dead air on this show waiting for you to look up the Packers schedule. So Aaron Jones has Dallas this week, then Minnesota, and then possibly New Orleans. Don't be surprised if they just hold Ty Montgomery out for three weeks so he can enjoy that bye and have a full month to recover. Yeah. Why would you bring him back for New Orleans going into a bye week? That's not logical. You have to be, especially when you're 3-1, and one, uh, you have to be thinking long-term as well. So, you know, people playing fantasy like to think, oh, it's my fantasy team. And by the way, when we're on this, uh, I've seen people sitting tweets to Ty Montgomery about him sitting out with the broken ribs. If you are if you go and tweet a player on Twitter about uh, injuries and, you know, being too soft and being a SOB or whatever for sitting out with uh, two broken ribs. No one would ever call a football player an SOB. <laughs> I mean, who would do that? Who would that was a bit of a setup. ever <laughs> think? <laughs> In what human being? Would the neuron fire to call an NFL football player a player who puts his life and health on the line on any given play, playing one of, if not the most dangerous sport in the world? Who would possibly look at a football player and even consider calling him a son of a bitch? You would never do that. No one would ever do that. So the idea that this this straw man that you've erected, that a person would look at a football player and think to call them a son of a bitch, is just not plausible. It's a straw man, so get out of here with that argument, Colm. You're making a fool of yourself. Okay, so we'll, we'll take that. I, I retract that statement. No one would ever think that or say that out loud, especially to a stadium full of people. That would never happen. And so if you are bidding on Aaron Jones in free agency this week, the show is not going to drop until Wednesday. Very good chance your waiver wire already processed. Whoops. I don't care. You can yeah. run your own damn fantasy team. My job is not to provide you with the precise bids on any given player, but for Aaron Jones, and again, I understand the waiver's processed already, but if you could go back in time, I think the minimum bid on Aaron Jones is 50% of your fab budget. That's the minimum bid because you're likely to get three weeks, Colm, three weeks of critical production that will be the difference between your fantasy team making or missing the playoffs where Aaron Jones has the potential. He has the profile to go out and be a top 10 running back for three consecutive weeks. Did you not like what you were getting with Ty Montgomery? You're going to get much of the same from Aaron Jones. We talk about the running back position all the time. It's a disposable position. These players are interchangeable. And Aaron Jones' profile looks shockingly similar to Ty Montgomery. Aaron Jones is slightly smaller, but similar 40 time, similar burst, and he's actually more agile. When you look at production, very few rookie running backs were as productive as Aaron Jones at the college level. We know Kareem Hunt was a mega producer at Toledo, but Aaron Jones is in that Kareem Hunt conversation when you're looking at the body of work. How dominant was this player at the college level? Aaron Jones in his final season at UTEP, 47% dominator rating, 95th percentile with a 7.7 .7 yards per carry and a 13.9 89th percentile college target share. So he was doing it all in his final season at UTEP. He was involved in all phases, and that's what the Green Bay Packers want. That's how they deployed Tom Montgomery. They wanted an every down bell cow who's active in the passing game, 
who they can pitch it out to wide, and who they can hand it off to between the tackles. We've already seen Aaron Jones do that. At 208 pounds, he received a goal line carry and punched it in for a net. He punched it in for a touchdown. So we know that Aaron Jones can produce at a high level when given opportunity. We already saw it last week. We saw it for an entire year in his final year at UTEP. And the only question is, is he explosive enough? Is he a good enough athlete to ring up some spat, ring up some splash plays? And the answer is definitively yes. He is a playmaker yep. in all phases. That's what you want. It's not just giving it. It's not just, oh, he's the starter for the Packers and he's going to get red zone carries and potentially score touchdowns. No, 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 no. He's one of the highest ceiling running backs in the 2017 draft class. He just happened to be a fifth round pick. That's not his fault. His talent profile coming into the draft was on par with Kareem Hunt. That's what we're looking at in Aaron Jones. I don't think he's a savant runner instinctually like Kareem Hunt is. Kareem Hunt is the second coming of Arian Foster. That's an outlier talent, what Kareem Hunt is bringing to the table. But what Aaron Jones is bringing to the table in terms of measured athleticism and a history of dominant production in all phases, oh, this is exactly what you're hoping for. You're hoping that a player gets a three-week window of opportunity with this talent profile on this team. It's all you could ever hope for. What are you waiting for? What do you want to spend your money on? You're never going to find a better use of free agent auction budget money than Aaron Jones. So push your chips into the table. Get Aaron Jones. Do you have a number one waiver priority? Use it on Aaron Jones. You have money left over in your fab budget. Use it all on Aaron Jones. Yeah, no, I, want to, I agree 100%. The, the key is, for me always, after week one, don't go crazy. This and, is uh, it. Go all your budget in week one. But yeah. This is the player. When you get to this this point, is yeah. the week. Go win your fantasy league with Aaron Jones. Yeah, when you have an opportunity at this point of the season at the quarter pole, if you if you're two and two, even if you're one and three, like you're desperate if you're one and three, but if you're three and one, you have an opportunity now to go and buy a, a start and stud running back who's going to get an opportunity bid. in one of the most productive uh, lineups in the NFL, and you bid can just more. go and oh, you bust bid again? No, bid more. Oh, you bid again? Bid more. You bid again? Bid more. Oh, you want to bid? Bid more. Bid, no, no, bid more. Bid bid more. No, bid more. Bid more. The uh, you don't want to miss out on players like this. Is this if you miss out on them by three dollars, it's going to be uh, come the end of the season. You're going to say if I had just done that move uh, in week four and uh, before week five and picked up Aaron Jones, uh, I could have been in my uh, fantasy playoffs. The regret factor on not getting Aaron Jones is way too high to not just add another $10 or $100, whatever proportions of fab budget you're working with. Just layer more. Make sure you have enough so like you, if you can give, uh, uh, fill holes on your roster as the season goes along. Subtract yeah. that amount and then bid the rest. Push the rest into the middle of the table to get Aaron Jones. I know it's a different story, but there's people you know, two weeks ago that probably bid... 20, 25, 30% on somebody like Buck Allen. If you did that there, you need to be spending whatever you've left to get yourself Aaron Jones. There's just, there's no comparison. What if Devin Funchess is still on waivers? <laughs> what are you bidding on Devin Funchess? Are we putting all, we, we only have enough money to put, uh, we don't have any money left. We put it all on Aaron right. Jones. If I had to choose between bidding on Aaron Jones or Devin Funchess, I'm putting uh, my Aaron, money Aaron on Jones Aaron on Jones, now. not Devin Funchess. Although, I think Devin Funchess is a number one wide receiver. I think that the third-year breakout yeah. is a thing. Oh. 
I think that Devin Funchess is an exciting talent, and I think that he is in the process of usurping pro football focus favorite Kelvin Benjamin on that <laughs> Carolina Panthers depth chart. Do you agree with that? I agree, and uh, I've never been a, a Kelvin Benjamin fan, uh, glorified tight end and he's not even a good glorified tight end uh, when you're looking at Devin Funches you mentioned that they a third year breakout just if we go back in time prior to that 2014 uh, draft class and remember when we used to say year two maybe we'll get a sophomore you know leap and then year three we'll have the third year breakout now it's if you don't break out as a rookie you uh, you suck and uh, we're done with you so pretty much that's what happened with Devin Funches didn't do a lot year one d- did a little bit more year two goes into year three and now uh, Cam Newton is just uh peppering him with targets compared to the rest of the wide receivers obviously yes. Olsen's gone out and that's helped him but if you look at Funches versus Kelvin Benjamin Benjamin's with 19 targets Funches is 27 he just he, he just looks like Cam trusts him uh, against the Patriots last week uh, Funches went off injured and one play later basically limped back onto the field for the second to last play of that game where he caught uh, you know the the pass that got them into the field goal uh, position to hit that field goal to win the game but Funches just basically limped onto the field barely able to walk never mind run and uh he goes out on his right and he's the first person cam newton looks to and newton hits him with the pass so that just shows how much faith newton has in him then you're looking at uh, benjamin who although he had his huge uh, touchdown year uh, in year one as a rookie and he's going to have opportunities obviously in the red zone with his size there's not a huge size difference between funches if funches goes up against the cornerback he's going to tower over him and he's going to be a lot bigger and uh, funches just to me is uh, the better player the better athlete and uh you know, if if I had an option, to be honest, at this point, I would nearly just uh, if I did own uh, Benjamin, I would nearly just trade him straight up for Funches. That's how little I think of Benjamin and how much oh, I like Funches. Easily. Yeah, especially in Dynasty, where Funches is three years younger than Benjamin, it's a slam dunk at that point. But Funches is a more explosive more polished version of Kelvin Benjamin. It's absolutely true because they're both big, 6'4", over 230 pounds. Neither one of them is very fast. They max out at like a 4'6'0", time. But still, because both receivers are so big, their height-adjusted speed scores are both above the 80th percentile. It's just that Devin Funches has the burst that Kelvin Benjamin does not. 126.5, 78th percentile burst score, and you're right. Cam Newton trusts him in high-leverage situations. The targets yeah. are going to Devin Funches when it counts in the red zone. We talked about how you draft Kelvin Benjamin based on red zone targets alone touchdown upside alone eventually kelvin benjamin continues to slip in drafts over the summer into round six round seven round eight you have to eventually push the button on kelvin benjamin but we also said make sure you're pairing him with devin funchess the carolina panthers twin towers was one of our favorite wide receiver stacks over the summer because the assumption is oh kelvin benjamin is going to be the featured option in the red zone go back to 2016 colm Look at the red zone target shares of the two receivers. Devin Funchess's red zone target share in 2016, when he played 14 games, was actually higher than Kelvin Benjamin. So the signals were there last season that Cam Newton trusts Funchess in high leverage situations. 23.7% red zone target share was top 20 in the NFL last season. So if you were paying attention to the right numbers, you were already focused on getting Devin Funchess in the late rounds. He was the highest upside late round stash in fantasy football. We were like a broken record on this show, just insisting 
You must get Devin Funchess in the later rounds in fantasy football. Get Devin Funchess in the later rounds in fantasy football. Get Devin Funchess in the later rounds in fantasy football. (laughs) Get Devin Funchess in the later rounds in fantasy football. He was the must-have because he had the highest ceiling of all the receivers in the draft. His 26 fantasy points was number two in the NFL last week. And there's no reason to think it's not going to continue. The red zone targets are coming for Devin Funches And this assumption, and those that drafted Kelvin Benjamin, expecting to get all the red zone targets, are now sorely mistaken. They've realized, oh no, it's like a usual suspects moment for them. Like the coffee cup is in midair. And they're realizing... Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 not the red zone targets. No, 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 it was Devin Funches all along. It, uh, and, uh, you know, last year you mentioned his usage. They pretty much used him exclusively in the red zone last year. And I look at a couple of things that I really put value into. And one of them is uh, that, you know, you can't really see on a statute as if the quarterback trusts them. And, you know, in a number of throws already this season, and even last season, as you mentioned, it showed that Newton had faith that his wide receiver, when he went to Funches, he could make that catch, uh, you know, in contested situations, whether it was in a key critical moment. And you often see who does the quarterback look to first on third down. And I've been, uh, over the last couple of weeks, very, very high on Richard Matthews for the, the Titans. And one of his key attributes this season through the first uh, three weeks prior to the last week, obviously, was that in key third down situations when they needed to move the chains, Mariota went to him as his first read, and a lot of them targets still went his way. So we're seeing that now with Funches as well, and it's such a, such a key thing to if, if the quarterback believes that that player can do it, he's going to get those targets, and if it's not a, a key situation, he's still going to get those. So uh, I, I just think that we have uh, we have seen the change, and it's it's not going back for Benjamin owners. Also, Cam Newton and Devin Funches have had a greater opportunity to build rapport over the last three years. There was a lost season in there for Kelvin Benjamin where he was not on the field at all. He wasn't practicing. He wasn't playing in games. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's been off and on the practice field. He's been hurt. He's been out of shape. He's been on the stationary bike. (laughs) During all those moments, who's operating as the number one option for Cam Newton? All those practice reps. It's Devin Funches. And eventually that starts to matter. Eventually you've completed 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000 passes to a player in practice. Eventually that starts to translate on, that starts to translate over into Sundays. 100%. And those targets start coming on Sundays. And those passes start getting completed on Sundays. And then Devin Funches becomes a top 20 wide receiver on Sundays. I mean, he is this year's Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was one of the league's grossly inefficient receivers in 2015, and then he popped in 2016 in his third year. He was a second-round pick with two years of abject inefficiency on his resume, and then in his third year, the light came on. Well, in Devin Funches' third year, the light came on. He went from a 40% catch rate to a 60% catch rate. He went from a negative 8% target premium to a positive 15% target premium. Went from a negative 13 production premium to a positive 17 production premium. His dominator rating went from 12% to 32%. I mean, this is what a third-year leap looks like. I mean, every year we get one third-year leap wide receiver. This year, it just happens to be Devin Funches. And the Devin Funches haters just have to eat it because we've been waving this flag... (laughs) 
for years insisting that Devin Funches is eventually going to supplant Kelvin Benjamin. It's just a matter of time. Be patient. He came into the league as a young 21-year-old. He's now a young 23-year-old. He's just 23 years old. How old did you expect him to be when he first ascended to the number one wide receiver chair? 23.4 years old sounds about right to me, Colm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and sometimes, you know, people joke about uh, Kelvin Benjamin, his age, or Kevin White and his age, but uh, you go back and you look at the opposite side of the spectrum and you have somebody like Funches, you know, coming into the league so young, it's it's bound to be a tough transition at 21 years old to go in and start in an NFL offense and just be ready ready to go straight away. It's going to take you a little bit of time to develop. Uh, you know, we've seen it with players that come in very young. Randall Cobb's another example who seems to be playing in the league for the last 15 years. But, you know, players come in very young sometimes. It just takes them a little bit of time to, to find that stride. And, uh, you know, if, if you have them and you're able to stash them this offseason in, in Dynasty Leagues, you're just uh, you're just gaining value and gaining momentum uh, as the season goes on. It's just going to keep getting better. Just, uh, just enjoy it. In that 2015 wide receiver draft class, there were three exceptionally young wide receivers that were in their early 21-year-old year when they declared for the draft. It was Amari Cooper, it was Devin Funchess, and the third receiver was Stephon Diggs. You want me to guess? <laughs> Stephon Diggs. Diggity. That's why breakout age matters. That's why age at draft matters. You want those young players who are declaring for the draft early because they're confident in their ability to dominate eventually. They don't feel the need to stay in school and ring up counting stats at Eastern Washington until they're 23 years old. See, I knew I would find a way. I would find a way <laughs> to disparage Cooper Cup. Yeah, Somehow, some way, we always find a way to disparage Cooper Cup Her on the Cooper. show. And now we're just looking for ways to disparage Amari Cooper. Is it time to drop every Raiders player, including Amari Cooper? No. I know. We're okay. We'll just, yeah, yes. Wait, is it no or yes? The answer is no. I mean, you're calling from a foreign country, so I'm not sure. Does yes mean no in Ireland? I thought, no. I thought that you wanted me to say yes so you could uh, have a two to three minute rant. But uh, no, I think, uh, no. I think. Uh, you can't drop Amari Cooper because Michael Crabtree's hurt. He's the number one wide receiver. I'm telling you, Colm. If Michael Crabtree were healthy and Derek Carr were not healthy, it's hard to make a case to keep Amari Cooper on your roster in fantasy football. I, I wouldn't be cutting him, even if that was the case, uh, but I would be setting him. Uh, that would be, you know, you obviously, if you have EJ Manuel as your quarterback, you're, you're not confident in any options. You're right fucked. There, you? You're fucked. <laughs> this, is what, this is what you are if EJ Manuel is your quarterback. I talked to Lord Reeves this morning, and I said, historically, have we ever seen a wide receiver getting 30 targets be this inefficient through the first four games of the season? He came back to me with a name, a name, Colm, a name. I haven't seen a player start the season this inefficiently in my career in this business. This predates player profiler. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a good sign. His name, Greg Little. You have to go back to Brown's Greg okay. Little, pre-player profiler, to find a wide receiver that was this inefficient through the first four games of the season in a starting target hog role. You have got to be fucking kidding me that I drafted this guy in the second round of a high-stakes league. I drafted Greg Little in the second round of the FFPC. What the fuck? How do I have a <laughs> podcast? I have a website? Wait, let me get this straight, yeah. Cole. 
I have a website visited by tens of thousands of people per day and a podcast that more than 10,000 people listen to every day. And yet I drafted Greg Little in the second round of a high stakes fantasy league. Yeah, it really does uh, suck big time when you put it that way. And I'm with you. That's an alternative name for the show. I had written down Devin Funchess, usual suspect, but Amari Cooper sucks big time is up there. <laughs> I didn't actually say Amari Cooper sucks big time. Now I have said it, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, that that sucks big time. But oh! I, I do uh, I do oh! have 40% exposure to him through my best ball leagues. And so far this uh, offseason, I'll tell you, uh, some of those leagues oh. he was taking at uh, oh. you know 111. Uh, I was that com- confident that it was going to work out. So... That really, uh, really sucks uh, right there. Amari Cooper sucks. That's okay. <laughs> It'll turn around. No, it's not. This is a lost season for Amari Cooper. Derek Carr has a, a muscle or a ligament is called a process, a transverse process. That sounds like a maneuver you would make driving one of those big rig trucks. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> I, hold on, rubber duck. This, uh, I got to put this thing in neutral and do a transverse process. It's not going to happen. Lost season for Amari Cooper. So lost season for Amari Cooper. Lost season for Julio Jones. <laughs> Aaron Jones, however, will win you your fantasy league. Oh, this season's going right as planned. Last night went as planned for Terrell Pryor owners. Finally, a glimmer of hope for Terrell Pryor owners. Yep. Was that his relax game? Are we going on relax uh, following Aaron Rodgers yeah. relax? Is that where you've got this relax from? His owners need to relax or not. That's the yeah, question. Okay. I just I was just wondering if there was maybe you had some other reason for relax. But when we look here at uh, Terrell. You hope? I need a definitive answer, Colm. Yes or no, was it a relaxed game? Well, his owners have been tearing their hair out for the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. I hope it gets better for him from here. The next three Jesus weeks he gets... Uh, Come on. It's almost like you're uh, looking up the Packers' schedule at this point. I, I, uh, you might as well be looking up the Packers' schedule at this point. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> week, week six by is it yeah but no i i don't think it's a, a relaxed moment for him you know he had a, a nice game if you look at the box the box score but if you look at it it's a pretty deceiving on his actual performance uh he did have a 44 yard touchdown which all on the coverage they talked about how it was a fantastic play by terrell Pryor. it really wasn't it was absolutely terrible play by the cornerback. I'm not sure if it was Peters uh, that was covering him there, but he basically just uh, started to fall back uh, into the corner of the end zone and let uh, Pryor catch it without even high-pointing the ball. So uh, very, very bad, uh, you know, defensively there. So it was a bit pretty, the same as a blown coverage, in my opinion, for that play. And then if you look at it as well, uh, he had a drop over the middle, which was a very, very bad drop from his perspective. And he didn't really have much chemistry with Cousins, which is something that is really struggling as the season started. The, the positive note is that he played 43 or 50 snaps. So he's, he's leading the wide receivers and snaps the next three weeks he gets uh, san francisco philadelphia and the cowboys uh after their bye week sorry their bye week coming up this week so i think if you're targeting them to have a nice three game stretch i think it's gonna gonna happen in those those three games so if he has turned it around it's gonna really be obvious uh, he's worth a shot he's worth a shot if you own amari cooper add a player package him up try to go get terrell Pryor. is jamison crowder still in the nfl haven't seen the player uh, I haven't seen him, but um, actually, wait one second. Wait one second. I, I did see him, actually. I seen him last night. He caught uh, one pass, uh, one lone pass he caught for minus seven, minus seven yards uh, against the Chiefs. It had happened as well on the final play of the game. 
and uh, it was uh, the play where the Redskins decided to try and lateral the ball all over the field. Um, obviously, that's why he got the minus seven yards. So the last play of the game gets target, and uh, obviously then that went for the Chiefs to score a touchdown. Crowder played 36 of 50 snaps, which was the second highest behind only Terrell Pryor, as I mentioned a minute ago. Bad luck for Jameson Crowder. If he hits waiver wires, scoop him up and see if he can finally start to get targets and get back on track next week. He's a good player. We said before the season started, Two best values in fantasy football were Willie Sneed and Jabison Crowder. That's crazy. It is crazy. And combined, those players have negative seven yards this season. Oh, thank God for Devin Funches. I mean, thank you, Devin Funches. If it were not for Devin Funches, we would be having a bad season. But luckily, I started Devin Funches in most leagues last week. I own him in every league. And we had a Devin Funches dance party before I brought you on. So it's all about Devin Funches. We're focusing on the positive. We're not trying to look back and look at all these times I was wrong. But so far, I'm trending very, yeah, very, very wrong with Willie Sneed and Jamison Crowder and Jeremy Macklin. Frankly, Colm, I'm embarrassed. So let's play a game. I'm on board with you. Droppable or not droppable, make sure you hold on to them. I'm going to go ahead and modulate my voice so it sounds cool. Drop Jamison Crowder. <laughs> Let's go. Drop Eric Decker. Yes. Drop Marvin Jones. Yes. Uh, on Eric Decker, you need to have Richard Matthews in your life. Yeah, you can't start him. Uh, and I think, you know, he's getting... If you can't start him, you got to drop him, Colm. It's a wide receiver. Exactly, okay. Sorry, I was trying to give a little bit more. Marquise Lee. If I if you have him, I'm holding him this week. Uh, through the first three weeks of the season, uh, he pretty much led all the wide receivers for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This offense is going to be pretty much... Uh, crap throughout the entire season but uh, i think that he's gonna pick it up again even after this past week he's still pretty much he leads the team in targets although alan horns had a, a good week three i think over the season it's gonna turn around here for mark easley i think he is the favorite wide receiver for blake bartles which obviously blake bartles still sucks but uh, mark easley is the only player on own on this uh, team at the wide receiver position i slid Marquise lee in there as a test and you passed the test yes Jeremy Macklin. The answer is yes. <laughs> Drop him. Drop him. Yeah, I, I started him this past week, and uh, I think I started him in the, the Scott Fishbowl this past week, and uh, over the last couple of weeks. He got a touchdown one week that I remember, but outside of that, he's been absolute trash, and this team has been trash, and Joe Flacco is trash. No, Joe Flacco's been worse than Blake Bortles. Joe Flacco's been the worst quarterback in the league. In a league where Case Keenum is an every week starter, as well as Mike Glennon starting games through week four. Yeah. <laughs> it has not been Mike Glennon. It has not been Case Keenum. Certainly hasn't been Jared Goff. The worst quarterback in the league has absolutely been Joe Flacco, and it's not even close. I mean, name the quarterbacks that have put together two consecutive games as bad as what Joe Flacco has posted the last two weeks. I challenge you. Over, do it over the last five seasons. I don't think you're going to see any worse. It's, it's just been a train wreck. That's right. It's like with the Amari Cooper start to the season, I had to go to Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar, follow him at Lord Reeves on Twitter. I had to go to Rich and ask him if he could find a historical comp for Amari Cooper's abysmal start to the season. He found Greg Little. The challenge is to the audience. Contact me at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Can you find a quarterback that posted two consecutive weeks as bad as Joe Flacco? In week three and week four of the 2017 season, are you dropping Tyler Eifert? 
Yeah, I am. This is, I'm going to put it with this caveat. I'm dropping him uh, because you just can't hold on to him. He, entering the season, he missed uh, 27, 50 games, which is you know over 50% for those of you who do mat- mathematics. Is he even better than Tyler Croft at this point? Because Tyler Croft looks good. Yeah, Tyler Croft looked good this past week. And, uh, you know, Dalton was going to him pretty uh, confidently in the red zone. But I'm picking him up again when he does come back. But the, the problem with him is it's just his injury history. Uh, he's... He's missed more games than he's played over the last couple this of seasons. This is a rapid-fire so segment, Colm. Can, can we please just speed it up? The answer is yes. He's injury-prone. Okay, just say it. Just say he's injury-prone. He's injury-prone. Thank you. Eric Ebron. Yes. How about Amari Cooper? The answer is no. No, and uh, it's no again. Are you benching Martavis Bryant this week? Now, I'm not going to ask you about Martavis Bryant. No one would dare drop Martavis Bryant right now, but yeah. would you at least bench him this week against Jacksonville? Yeah, I'm benching him this week. Uh, I, I've Overall, I haven't been confident in the, the Steelers' offense so far this season, looking at what has happened. Outside of Antonio Bryant, I know Le'Veon Bell had a monster week last week. That was the first kind of real sign we've seen of him. But if you're just looking down through what Martavis Bryant has done this season, he is getting a nice target share, but he's... Those targets aren't been very efficient for him overall throughout the season, and the catch numbers that he's putting up aren't that great. There, there has been two or three passes where you know one kind of pass each game where Big Ben has looked for him on a deep pass, and they're missing each other by maybe five yards. The the timing just isn't there. Maybe it's because he missed out on those off season reps when he was still working his way back from suspension, but. Going up against the Jacksonville defense, where I expect him to try and uh, run the ball again with Lev Bell, I just uh, I just can't uh, play him this week. We have a metric on PlayerProfiler.com that's very powerful. It's called catchable target rate. Hit me with it. If a wide receiver has at least a twenty percent chance of catching a target on any given play, we mark it as catchable. Also, if a wide receiver catches a pass, even if it was improbable, because it was caught, we have to mark it as catchable. So in the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman's catch was technically catchable, even though it wasn't catchable. Does that make sense to you, Colin? It makes sense because he caught it, so it had to be catchable. The laws of physics say that it has to be marked catchable, even though it wasn't actually catchable. Now, Martavis Bryant's catchable target percentage, 48%. Yeah. That's 152 in the NFL. It just doesn't seem like they're in sync on those passes. No wide receiver's quarterback has been as wildly inaccurate as Martavis Bryant's quarterback when targeting him, Ben Roethlisberger. It's just been weird. It's been a strange anomaly. Ben Roethlisberger's inability to hit Martavis Bryant is the same thing that's happening in Dallas where Des Bryant's catchable pass percentage, catchable target rate has been incredibly low, and it's not his fault, and it's not necessarily Dak Prescott's fault. It's just in a four-game sample, some wide receivers are going to have an inordinate number of uncatchable passes thrown in their direction. That's just probability theory. That's how it works. There's going to be a handful of wide receivers out in the far end of the tail not receiving catchable passes. That's just how it works works you should be starting des bryant this week against green bay and you should be holding and trading for martavis bryant heading into this jacksonville game in fact you can wait a week hold off trading for him until next week but i will be aggressively targeting martavis bryant next week after this jacksonville game you don't want any part of martavis bryant against jacksonville facing jalen ramsey or aj boye no no thank you those are two of the top five corners in the nfl You want to know why the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is so good? It's because they have two of the best corners in the league. That's all you need to have. If you have two of the best corners in the league, they can wallpaper over all the weaknesses on your defense. 
It's just those two guys. They're the cornerstone, keystone players on that defense. They're the reason Jacksonville's defense is so smothering. Would you dare bench Antonio Brown this week? I'm I'm interested to see what you say on this, but uh, with Antonio, I'm not benching him. He's one of those players. He just I'm putting him in no matter who he's playing. I, he's not quite match off proof in my opinion, but he's as close to these. You know, looking through the week so far, eleven targets, eleven targets, ten tar- or fourteen targets, nine targets. So nine targets is worth this season. He mightn't go and have a, a monster monster day, but they're going to be able to work him around there to get get those opportunities this week. You have to start him, but his ceiling is lower. If you're playing in GPPs, you don't play Antonio Brown. The ceiling is absolutely capped facing Jalen Ramsey, who is the number one cornerback in the NFL. He's the new Rod Woodson. He will go out and catch six passes, likely 70-plus yards, and a touchdown. So he's going to do what Antonio Brown does. He's going to get you 15-plus fantasy points this week, most likely. The difference, too, with uh, Martavis versus Antonio is Antonio is going to get the opportunity to catch a lot of balls, uh, you know, in the short intermediate routes. And when you're looking at maybe getting him coming from a wide position into the inside, maybe a a rub route or a pick route, you're going to get that opportunity for him to get that five-yard pass and take it and, you know, make it into 30 or 40 yards. With Martavis, that can happen, but a lot of the time his targets are going to be more, you know, deep to intermediate routes rather than the short intermediate. So I think... That, that's another key area. And when we mentioned those two, it adds a lot more uncertainty to Martavis Bryant's outcomes week to week. And I'm going to hit you with this here. Do you think uh, Big Ben is playing? Uh, if he wasn't Big Ben, do you think we'd be talking about him being one of the worst quarterbacks in the leagues at this point after four games? Before we get into that, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. What the fuck is a peck? A peck play? What is that? A peck, peck play. Peck play. <laughs> what the fuck is a peck play? A peck. Pick, P-I-C-K. P-I? Oh, a pick play. Oh, pick play. I get it now. I was not mocking your accent at all. I'm being real. I had no idea what a peck play was. I'm always learning new terminology, Colm. I did not have any idea what the hell a peck play was, <laughs> but now I know it was a pick play. And I get it. I know the pick play where the outside wide receiver and the inside wide receiver cross. It's a concept that's run to get the number one wide receiver out open in space, yeah. often on the boundary, and you'll see Antonio Brown catch lots of passes on the peck plays. The pe- okay, maybe see. I don't know. I don't listen back to all my podcasts, and you know, sometimes I say words. I, I might need to start doing that, or getting people to tweet me. What the hell do you mean by this word? So maybe it's just one. I'll say it again. A peck play. You can't say it. You can also say a rub right. I say a rub right or a peck play. Say, let's say you're mining, right? Let's say you're mining for gold. Yeah. And you're using a shovel or a blank axe. What do you call that? A peck. Or if you need you need to clear something <laughs> out of your sorry. teeth. Sorry. I don't want to laugh. I don't want to laugh, Colm. I'm not trying to laugh. My ancestors are Irish. I have green blood flowing through my veins. You might need to get that checked out. I am not laughing at your voice, but you pick. can't say pick, and it's hilarious. So uh, a pick six, does that not sound like... Stop it's just, saying... I just want to hear what this sounds like when we listen to it. Yes! <laughs> We've just stumbled onto an exceptional bit for the show. I need to. I need to start a podcast called, like, the Pick Six Podcast or something like that, just so I have to say it every time. <laughs> I need to listen back myself to see how this sounds. It's a tick. Can you say tick? Tick. It's Does a that tick. Sound <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. We found something magical on this show. It makes me so happy. This is the part that really went off the rails. <laughs> Let's go to another game. 
Contrived dichotomy. Let's see, I gotta even modulate my voice even more. It's gonna be so cool. J.D. McKissick or Jarek McKinnon? I'm gonna go for Jarek McKinnon. Thank God. That was another test, and you passed again. Great job, Taylor. I wish I was this good at school. You can't enunciate for shit. You're great <laughs> at answering my trick questions correctly on this show. Alex Collins or Wayne Gallman? Oh, this one hurts. I'm going to go for Alex Collins. They're the same guy. Yeah, they're both crap. Playing with inefficient quarterbacks behind offensive lines that can't run block, and neither one of them are adept in the passing game. If I actually had to play one of these, or pick... These are very low-ceiling players that are indistinguishable. If I had to actually play one, I would play Gallman just because he does not play for the Ravens, and the Ravens are atrocious. Playing Ravens is soul-crushing. <laughs> Another contrived dichotomy. Latavius Murray or Marshawn Lynch? This one's for all the Raiders fans out there. Latavius Murray? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, my... Now we are mocking Raiders fans. We're laughing in your face. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, Marshawn Lynch. That was fun, though. Oh, you were joking? Yeah. I wasn't even joking. Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey. Is it at least close? Yeah, Al Alvin Kamara has, uh, I thought he was going to be a player that was going to, you know, take, that he would sit this year, not sit this year, but kind of almost have a red shirt year, play maybe on a, maybe a 15% of the snaps over the season, maybe split then between Ingram and uh, Peterson. And I, I like it. I'm a big Ingram supporter and uh, I, I'm just, I've been surprised at the usage for Kamara and I've been very, very impressed with that usage uh, that he's been receiving as well. So it, for me, it is close, much closer than I would have expected uh, in the preseason. Mark Ingram has been highly efficient in the passing game. Yeah. Not because Mark Ingram is electric in space, but because Mark Ingram plays on the Saints with Drew Brees. And if you stand next to Drew Brees in a formation, he will make you efficient in the passing game. The difference is with Alvin Kamara, he's actually an electric satellite back. Unlike Mark Ingram, who was just a space holder satellite back when called upon, who happened to be in the best situation for a satellite back known to man. Now we have a running back with a true satellite back profile who is, in fact, electric in space receiving passes in that system from Drew Brees. So it's okay to be excited about Alvin Kamara. Another contrived dichotomy. Jay Brown or Jay Brown? I'm going to go for Jay Brown. That's right. That's the right answer. It's absolutely Jay Brown. You need to make sure you get Jay Brown from the Cardinals on your fantasy team. Start Jay Brown this week. Another contrived dichotomy. Andre Holmes or Amari Cooper? I, I can't I can't hurt the Raiders fans anymore. We'll go for uh, Cooper. Can you believe Duke Johnson is outscoring Melvin Gordon in PPR right now? I can. Did you not think that was a misprint when I delivered the show sheet to you? I didn't actually think he was outscoring him, but uh, in PPR, I think that he's obviously with the Browns and how they've been playing. He's gone up in target share over uh, over the last uh, three weeks, every week. So he's uh, he's outscoring Melvin Gordon, Colm. Yeah, well, that's crazy when you look at it that way. But I, uh, Duke Johnson's my uh, third most owned player in uh, my high or my best ball leagues this this off season. So it, I thought he was going to get that. Congratulations. One good call. That was a hell of a peck by you in best ball leagues. <laughs>
Duke Johnson's production premium is plus 69.7, and his yards per touch is 8.8. And this follows up a 2016 campaign in which his yards per touch was 6.9, number three in the NFL. Duke Johnson is hashtag good at football. He's great in all phases. Isaiah Crowell has been highly unproductive and inefficient and needs to be marginalized. They need to install Duke Johnson as the every down player. He's a bell cow back. He was a bell cow back at Miami. He has bell cow blood coursing through his veins. You give Duke Johnson a 60% opportunity share. He's an RB1 in fantasy. Staying in Cleveland. Who the hell is this Ricardo Lewis guy anyway? Yeah, don't worry about Ricardo Lewis. Uh, you asked me, is Ricardo Lewis the number one receiver in Cleveland? My Ricardo! My answer is... Uh, Can you do a Spanish accent? Ricardo Lewis. Ricardo! <laughs> Colm, your Spanish is better than your English. Thanks. But hey, you asked uh, who is the number one, or who is Ricardo Lewis the number one receiver in Cleveland? The answer is no. Duke Johnson is the number one receiver in Cleveland. Oh, oh, anything, whatever it takes. I'm all about it. Whatever you want to say, as long as it's a slight to Kenny Britt. Yeah, and the next thing I read was, "What the hell, Britt?" However, you want to slice it, as long as you are disparaging Kenny Britt, you're making me happy. Because I came on your show, and we talked about Kenny Britt, how excited we are with Kenny Britt, how Kenny Britt's going to be the number one receiver. It's going to be negative game script, double-digit targets week to week for Kenny Britt. It's going to be great. Kenny Britt is going to return to fantasy WR2 status triumphantly, and he's Dwayne Bow. Yeah, that exactly. He is Dwayne Bow Mark II. And uh, he also, uh, his season has rhymed something very similar to Britt. You can say it. Kenny Britt is shit. That could be the name of the show. That's the other alternative name for the show. Again, we have Devin Funches, Usual Suspects. We're now considering Kenny Britt is shit. What about Joe Mixon? Is it just a matter of time for Joe Mixon? Because the opportunity is there. The talent profile is there. He's checking a lot of boxes. He's getting touches. The offensive line's no good. But at least with Joe Mixon, as opposed to a Wayne Gallman, he himself has the ability to generate fantasy points in all phases, and you have to be excited about that, do you not? Yeah, I, I agree. Joe Mixon, it's just a matter of time. He's going to get every chance. They've invested the draft capital in him. I mentioned about Duke Johnson being my third most owned player this uh, season. Gio is actually my number one most owned player. So, Giovanni Bernard. He doesn't like the nickname Gio, you know. Yeah, I know, but I don't care. He prefers Giovanni. Can you do an Italian accent? Giovanni. Hey, Giovanni. But uh, Jeremy Hill is crap. We'll just uh, say that as well. But Mixon is going to be the lead dog. He's going to get every opportunity. Why you're really breaking news that Jeremy Hill is crap analysis. (laughs) Some people still don't. Some people still don't agree. Christopher Harris. Okay. Is Amir Abdullah breaking out in the least spectacular way possible? And is that ironic considering how he broke into the league with the most spectacular preseason we've ever seen? I'm, I am I don't really like uh, Amir Abdullah. I'll just put that mildly, what? but no, I, I don't. I, I've always been a theoretic uh, guy. You'll, you'll, see it. you'll see something here with uh, the backs that I tend to like. and the. I know you like the satellite backs, like the pass catchers. That's why I like you, Colm. You like the players I like. So you're saying at the end of the season we'll be looking back and Theo Riddick will have outscored Amir Abdullah? 
no, I, I, I'm concerned for Riddick. Uh, he's really disappeared over the last three weeks. They are really g- giving Amir Abdullah that bell cow. I got to stop you. I have to stop you. Over the last three uh, weeks, what's a tree week? Uh, T-H-R-E-E, three. Oh, three weeks. Got it. Yeah. I'm with you. You said it right, man. It, it's not. A, that was not a. That was not a tech. You are able to say three. I just think you 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 uh, you, you you said it. You said the word so quickly. You just you you mowed over like a lawnmower some of the syllables. <laughs> some of the letters. But you do have the ability when you slow down to say three. Just not yeah. pick. I just messed out some of the letters. Right. So the last three weeks have been very challenging for Theo Riddick. And you're concerned. Yeah, I am. Are you not concerned? I'm not. I wasn't concerned with Giovanni Bernard either. The satellite backs are very up and down. We don't know what we're going to get with Duke Johnson next week or Theo Riddick or Giovanni Bernard. We had a 60-yard touchdown for Giovanni Bernard in the passing game. Those are going to happen. We'll see some explosive plays and some big weeks for Theo Riddick. Those are coming. Running backs in those roles, by definition, are volatile. And when you start them, you just have to know that you could get 20 points or you could get three points. That's just yeah. the nature of that position. Now, what about Deshaun Watson? Is he for real? He, he, he looks good. I don't think at this point I'm not going to say he's just for real just yet. He's toasted uh, two. The respect for you continues to grow despite your lack of enunciation because... <laughs> You continue to make the right calls. You're not dropping players that are that are talented, getting lots of targets. Despite a handful of challenging weeks, you're still holding on to those players smartly, and you're not getting out over your skis on this Deshaun Watson. See, look, the next note I've written here is always stay level-headed. You need to. We're four weeks into the yes. season. He's played two good games back to back. There's lots of players who have two good games over a 16 game sample size. If he'd done this in week 10, week 11, and the rest of the season's absolutely crap, we're not really going to be uh, all that high That's on right. him. Matt Flynn had a six touchdown game. Yeah. Case Keenum let it up two weeks ago. You know, that that doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL for the rest of the season. Deshaun Watson, two very, very good games. I'm He's already better than I thought he was going to be. I'll admit that right now. But uh, he's basically played three games. He's done some awesome things. But yeah, It's only been three games, people. It's only been three games. So do not run out to the extreme. Especially with a quarterback. And trade a stud player in Dynasty for Deshaun Watson. That's not the move. Don't do that. No. Also, let's wait for Deshaun Watson to shred one good defense. Just one. Just one. Is it too much to ask to say perform well against one good defense? Because when he's faced average defenses, he's thrown for less than 150 yards. When he faced an exceptional defense, he threw for well under 150 yards. He wasn't impressive at all in the first two weeks. Then he plays the two worst secondaries in the NFL, the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans back-to-back, and he plays very well, scores lots of fantasy points, as he should facing those teams. He's just going out there and doing what you're supposed to do against the Titans and the Patriots. Why are we throwing a parade for a guy who's just going out and doing what he's supposed to do? He's just doing his job. That's your job. If you're not scoring fantasy points against the Patriots and the Titans, you're never going to score fantasy points throughout the season. So you better get them against the Patriots and the Titans. And he did that. Congratulations. Golf clap for you, Deshaun Watson. You posted big numbers against the defenses you're supposed to post good numbers against. Now is the challenge. Now you have to go out and post good numbers, be productive against defenses that aren't catastrophically bad. Let me put this in perspective for you. How bad are the Patriots? 
They're giving up 31.5 fantasy points a game to opposing quarterbacks. Let me repeat that. The Patriots are allowing 31.5 points to opposing quarterbacks. That is a huge number. And the Tennessee Titans are right behind them, allowing 28.8 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. Easily the two softest secondaries in the NFL for opposing fantasy quarterbacks. I've never said this cliche on this show, but I want to say it because I think it'll feel good to say it, and it needs to be said because there's never been a better time to say it. With Deshaun Watson, you need to pump the brakes. (laughs) With uh, Deshaun Watson too, Matt, uh, we'll just put this out now. If in his next game, which is next, obviously, coming up here in uh, week five, if he has a good game this week, we will eat it because he's facing the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he's not going to put those numbers up this week. The Kansas City Chiefs are not a top 10 defense against opposing quarterbacks. No, but they're a lot better than what he's faced. They're just an average defense. So can he dismantle an average defense? I doubt it, but we will find out. On to our next game. It's called, Are You Worried at All About These Players? Again, I'm going to modulate my voice. It's going to sound great. Des Bryant. No. Golden Tate. No. Jarvis Landry. I think his role's safe, but uh, that team sucks. So, yes? No, no, his role's safe. He's going to get You're his uh, targets. Each You're not worried. It's no. very tricky. You're trying to break this game. Sammy Watkins. No. No? No. One good game out of four. Cooper Cup is the target leader, not Sammy Watkins. You're not worried about that. No, I'm not. We've seen this with Sammy in the past. It'll. It's all going to come good with Sammy. Bye, Sammy, now. I'm not convinced. Demarius Thomas. I'm going to go with you. I'm concerned. How could you not be? Jordan Reed. I'm, is this this season or is this for the last four seasons? Yeah, Perpetually concerned, permanently concerned, always concerned, never not concerned about Jordan Reed. If you're out there never, blissfully unaware of Jordan Reed's risk factors, <laughs> then, then, <laughs> then congratulations. Life must be great since your lobotomy. Kyle Rudolph. It's Yes, because we mentioned earlier, you mentioned Diggs. Thielen's also having a great time. You can't, it's very hard for the Vikings to support three options, so yes. They cannot support three options. They're going to funnel targets out to Thielen and Diggs. Yeah, they have to. Because it's the right thing to do. Because yeah. Thielen and Diggs, Diggs and Thielen, it's the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And that means Kyle Rudolph is the one left without the targets. Are you worried about Amari Cooper? Uh, yes, I am worried. I mentioned earlier, though, it all works out. You don't have to answer this. I'm just adding Amari Cooper to all these lists as a prank, Cole. I just like saying things. I love... <laughs> yes, we know. You're worried about Amari Cooper. We would question your sanity if you were not worried about Amari Cooper. <laughs> we're all worried about Amari Cooper. I mean, you can still hold on to him and not drop him. You're still worried. Yeah, everyone's worried. How lucky has Leonard Fournette been this season? Very lucky. I mean, so lucky, right? He's one of the least efficient running backs, unlike Duke Johnson. And yet, because he's in this bell cow role, they continue to feed him touchdowns. He shouldn't be a bell cow either. So it's... He does not profile as a proper NFL bell cow back. He profiles as a between-the-tackles grinder, a one-dimensional player, but he was picked in the first 
five picks of the NFL draft. So they're going to install him in this every down workhorse role where he is out of his depth. Essentially, because of his draft slot, he was promoted to his level of incompetence on day one. And that's why when you look at his yards per carry, something as simple as yards per carry, it's 3.5, 58th in the league. I love his production premium. Leonard Fournette's production above or below expectation. It gives players a premium for touchdowns scored because any touchdown scored is technically above expectation. Leonard Fournette's production premium, despite four touchdowns, is precisely 0.0. That's not good. And the scale goes from negative 25 to positive 25. He's exactly 0.0. That says so much to me. Leonard Fournette, with his 81 carries this season, 13 red zone touches, six goal line carries, has a production premium of precisely zero! Squat! And uh, this, this team obviously loves him. This team obviously hates tj eldon and uh they need to start turning that around a little bit let's see some more tj eldon what tj eldon yeah you don't like tj let's see some more Corey grant a player with actual explosive athleticism. I want to see more Corey Grant. If they want to win football games, Corey Grant gives them the best chance to win football games and score points in any given down and distance. Play Corey Grant more. Question for you. Which player are you most surprised by this season? Most pleasantly surprised? Where you look back through four weeks and you say, oh, wow, that's impressive. Huh, look at that player. Good for him. There, there, I'm only going to mention one because I think if you mention two, I'm gonna, you're going to give out to me. Uh, so uh, I'm going to mention one, and it is Rams quarterback Jared Goff. Uh, through the first four weeks of the season, he has five touchdowns, 547 yards. Or over the last two weeks, sorry, he's thrown five touchdowns and 547 yards, which is pretty much uh, crazy. I, I, I tweeted this out during the game at the weekend against the Cowboys. Has any player from last year's rookie class and probably any player over the last maybe four or five years gone from such a drastic year one to uh, just looking like he he just has everything under control in year two? How quickly we forget Derek Carr. Derek Carr, an abysmal rookie season. Not to the effect of Jared Goff last year. Goff didn't look like he knew what a football looked like. Not as bad. No, not as bad, but... Fantasy writers were raining down judgment on Jared Goff after what by any measure would be considered a abysmal rookie season. And then what happened? Derek Carr turned it around. Why? Because playing quarterback in the NFL as a rookie is really challenging. And I marveled at analysts' inability to give Jared Goff the benefit of the doubt. And he was a number one pick. With Derek Carr, he was a second-round pick, and I get it. He didn't have the draft capital that would allow you to sleep at night. Didn't have that draft capital pillow to put your head on at night. Aw, nighty-night. Want to feel good about your quarterback? Aw, second-rounder not playing well in his first season. Oh, 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 time to get worried, time to get worried, time to get worried. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick. He had an early breakout age, and he entered the NFL at a young age. He could have come back. For his final year at Cal, he decided to come out early, which is rare for a quarterback because he was confident in his ability. And that's exactly what you're seeing now. It's just a restoration of confidence. His confidence was broken last year and it's back this year. And that's all there is to it. We have had numerous shock worthy breakouts, particularly last week. Spectacular. So which under the radar player 
will shock the world this week. Getting you out on this question. Give it to me, Cole. Are you ready for this answer? Are you ready for it? I've never been more ready for an answer in the history of this show. Give it to me, Cole. Give it to me! It's, uh, it's Jay Brown. You, are you ready for this answer? Are you ready for it? I've never been more ready for an answer in the history of this show. Give it to me, Cole. Give it to me. It's uh, it's Jay Brown. No, well, it's uh, no. If you want, do you want to know what's Jay Brown? It is. Okay, show's over. That was the end, of course. But if the audience is curious, tell them which Jay Brown are you referring to? It's uh, it's John Brown. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's Jerron Brown. Jerron Brown's getting the targets. Follow the targets. If you're following the targets, it leads to Jerron Brown, not John Brown. Jerron Brown's an athlete. And Jerron Brown has been disrespected in NFL circles and fantasy circles and sports media circles since he entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Why? Because draft capital. Because of draft capital. Just didn't have the draft capital. Just didn't have the draft capital. Except when he went to the NFL scouting combine and tried to get drafted. All he did was perform well, and he had a perfect explanation for his lack of production in college. He was parked behind Sammy Watkins, your lost love, Sammy Watkins, and DeAndre Hopkins, who looks like the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. That's who Jerron Brown was playing behind at Clemson, so it's understandable that he wouldn't get an opportunity, and it's an indictment of the NFL and how poorly NFL teams self-scout how poorly NFL teams scout talent and then self-scout once those players are on the roster. Because Jerron Brown had to turn 27 after his lack of draft capital and his lack of college production could finally be ignored and NFL coaches could see him for what he really is, which is an incredible athlete, a 119.4, 88th percentile Spark X score. Because he has athleticism across the board, when you look at those workout metrics on playerprofiler.com, he looks like a more athletic version of Marvin Jones. He's getting a 21% target share, 29th in the NFL. So he's top 30 in the NFL in target share. That's the player you need to chase. He's also top 20 in the NFL in fantasy points per game. So get out of here chasing this residual brand equity of John Brown, and you need to recalibrate your expectations, Colm, and expect that the player on top of the box score week in, week out is not Jay Brown, John Brown. It's Jay Brown, Jerron Brown. I look forward to uh, telling you you're wrong after this week's game. How about we will find out this weekend? We're going to know in five days who was right and who was wrong. Call Julio! Oh, Sammy. What the fuck is a peck? A peck? Peck, P-I-C-K. The last three weeks have been very challenging for Theo Riddick. And you're concerned. And you'll see Antonio Brown catch lots of passes on the peck plays. I have green blood flowing through my veins. 
you might need to get that checked out. You can't enunciate for shit. Giovanni! Hey, Giovanni! Yeah, it's only been three games, people. You have got to be fucking kidding me! That I drafted this guy in the second round of a high-stakes league. I drafted Greg Little in the second round of the FFPC. What the fuck? How do I have a podcast? I have a website? Wait, let me get this straight, Cole. I have a website visited by tens of thousands of people per day and a podcast that more than 10,000 people listen to every day. And yet, I drafted Greg Little in the second round of a high-stakes fantasy league. <laughs> I didn't actually say Mario Cooper sucks big time. Now I have said it. I mean, you're calling from a foreign country, so I'm not sure. Does yes mean no in Ireland? This is what this is what you are if EJ Manuel is your quarterback. Fucked. Yeah, well, Cole, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was thinking about either Martavis Bryant this week, but also, you know, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. But then again, I don't like the matchup. I mean, Jacksonville, these, this is a good secondary, Cole. I'm not sure. I didn't know, though, if you were actually, like, if that was the intro to the show or if... Uh... If you were, I thought you were in a dog. That is pretty, pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, Colm. So this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I uh, I can't remember what happened uh, when you were on with us uh, before the season, but there was something anyway that happened that you. I remember you spitting, uh, you spat water all over the place. Now we are mocking Raiders fans. We're laughing in your face. <laughs> so with all these forces working in his favor, along with his talent profile at age 28, I mean, this was it. This was it. This was the season. This was the season he could chase 1,800 yards. He could have a top 10 all-time fantasy season. Like these were, all, it would all. It was all happening for him. It was all there. His ceiling was as high as any player over the summer. And now we're looking at the stats, and he doesn't even have 20 receptions yet. He has no touchdowns. He has no red zone receptions. He has two red zone targets. He's at he's parked at 12 fantasy points per game, where a quarter of the seasons the a quarter of the season has concluded is in the books, and he's going to be 29 next year. And now it's this hip problem, and it's over. Like, it's over. The ride is over. This was the last ride, man. This was the ride to end the rides. This was the cross-country trip on the Harleys, man, on Julio Jones. And if it's not going to happen this year... I still think that for the rest of the season, he's still going to be, like, every week he'll be one of my top five wide receivers that I would play each and every week. So Calvin Johnson has a hell of a lot of missed expectations on his resume because he had that one year... He had the 1,900-yard season, and he had the 16-touchdown season. So it was 2011, and then 2012, it was back-to-back. It was so good, and then missed two games in 2013, only reached 1,000 yards in 2014, and then had a good final year. You know, 88 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, but he wasn't Calvin Johnson anymore. You know, there was like this fireworks display in the sky, for four seasons and that was it and so if we're trailing calvin johnson by three years what what did calvin johnson do in 2014 (gasps) 71 receptions 1000 yards eight touchdowns 
I'm just saying, I drafted him number one in the FFPC High Stakes League and Amari Cooper, and I'm completely buried. Life must be great since your lobotomy. Whatever sports they played, fantasy, rocks, and sticks. It's probably easier to predict that than to, to predict the NFL, maybe. Has anyone been tackled by the penis, a la Vernon Davis? Uh, not when I was there. No one would ever call a football player an SOB. (laughs) That a person would look at a football player and think to call them a son of a bitch is just not plausible. No one would ever think that or say that out loud. What are you waiting for? What do you want to spend your money on? You're never going to find a better use of free agent auction budget money than Aaron Jones. So push your chips into the table. Get Aaron Jones. Do you have a number one waiver priority? Use it on Aaron Jones. You have money left over in your fab budget. Use it all on Aaron Jones. This is the player. This is the week. Go win your fantasy league with Aaron Jones. Bid more. No, bid more. Bid more. And they're realizing, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. No, no, not the red zone targets. No, 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 it was Devin Funches all along. Because they're confident in their ability to dominate Eventually, they don't feel the need to stay in school and ring up counting stats at Eastern Washington until they're 23 years old. Hold on, Rubber Duck. This, uh, I gotta put this thing in neutral and do a transverse process. This is a rapid fire segment, Colm. Can you, can we please just speed it up? Just say he's injury prone. He's injury prone. How about Amari Cooper? The answer is no. No, and uh, it's no again. Julian Edelman's catch was technically catchable, even though it wasn't catchable. Playing Ravens is (laughs) soul-crushing. No receiver is being targeted as wildly and as wildly inaccurate. No. Ricardo. Ricardo Lewis. Ricardo. Ricardo Lewis. You're good, man. You're better at your. You know what? Your Spanish accent is better than your American accent. I thought you were going to say my Spanish is better than my English. Yours. No, let me do that again. That's that's better. That's going to go in the outtakes. Kenny Britz is going to return to fantasy WR2 status triumphantly. And he's Dwayne Bow. <laughs> you can say it. Kenny British shit. Who's just going out and doing what he's supposed to do. He's just doing his job. That's your job. If you're not scoring fantasy points against the Patriots and the Titans, you're never going to score fantasy points throughout the season. We're all worried about Amari Cooper. I mean, you can still hold on to him and not drop him. You're still worried has a production premium of precisely zero squat
Yeah, yeah, Colm. So this is what I'm thinking. Ricardo Lewis.